The Colorado Inn and KFKA present Rams Weekly. Brought to you by Marinda Simpson State Farm Insurance. Here's Brady Hull and Kevin Lido. Big win on Wednesday night for the Colorado State Rams. Found a way to get it done against the Colorado Buffaloes. And uh, that was a crazy environment. A lot of fun. Nobody better to talk about it than, of course, our guy, Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, awesome, right? Awesome environment. That was superb college basketball, everything, environment, game. Um, it all met the moment, which is cool because that doesn't always happen. You know how it is. I mean, it's sports. It's it's tricky. So you can have the hype, the energy, the crowd, and the game kind of fall flat. And that wasn't the case. I mean, just from a pure entertainment standpoint, really fun, you know, kind of a battle of a first half, neither team shooting great, so you see a little bear, a little run late. And then see you, I mean, coming back with haymakers mm. in the second half. Uh, really impressive fight back and change from them. CSU holds on, you know, exciting final minute to, you know, close it out. Superb college basketball, everything. Yeah, and, and there was a moment there, again, at halftime, it's 41 26 CSU, and you're thinking, I don't know, if CU doesn't make some kind of a little run here in the first five minutes of the half, CSU might run away with this thing. And that's kind of what the Buffs did. They made these little mini runs that just kept getting closer and closer. Never cut this thing to – they never really cut it to five, I don't think, in the second half. I think yeah. the closest they got was six. I, th- I think they had five, they? maybe final minute a couple times. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right there. That early second half was going to be huge. CSU tends to be really good in second halves. Um, I saw a metric yesterday that they're one of the best second-half teams in the country. Obviously, you know that happened with Creighton last week. So if CSU had won those first five minutes of the second half, even if it's just by three points or whatever, that probably would have killed the game off. But credit to CU, I think they started five for five. Uh, and it was the guys, if you're CU – you wanted to get going. Your five-star freshman gets on. Uh, I think K.J. Simpson had one or two, of course, because that's what he does. And that really brought the game back. And CSU maintained that lead throughout, which to me was impressive. I think at about the 13-minute mark, it got cut to either five or six. At that point, you're thinking, like, ooh, this feels kind of in the bounce. But then CSU makes some shots, gets it up to 9, 10, 11, and it kind of yo-yoed between that range the rest of the game. So, yes, CU made a run and made it you know, mildly tense at times, but never really felt like CSU was in danger. And CSU ended up, I think the Rams led for 39 minutes. It's basically a wire-to-wire victory, which pretty impressive because that is a good CU team. I, and I think that's a tournament team. I think both teams are tournament teams. That's kind of what I, I— I think it'd be a disappointment for either to not be. The the, the talent we saw on the floor. Ooh. I mean, there's just so many the, guys. So, so it speaks to both the size of the game but also the talent. There were, I think, about 60 media and scout uh, credentials for that game. Uh, I was sitting next to several NBA scouts. Obviously, there are a lot of guys that are watching. Mr. Five Star Freshman, I think, is high on that list, but it speaks to that was a very talented matchup. Maybe the best top to bottom talent we've seen in a CU CSU game for sure, a while. Sure felt like it. The preview leading up yeah. to it and then actually watching these guys pan out. Okay, let's do a quick little exercise here. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to run down some of the CU studs and some of the CSU studs, and you tell me in the future what you predict. Mm. NBA, let's go draft pick, NBA, same kind of thing, but they didn't get drafted, but they made the NBA. Pro basketball player, meaning you're not an NBA guy, but you played overseas, or 
you know, you're mm, selling cars or something. Um, let's go Cody Williams. CU Buffs, Cody Williams, 21 points last night. Draft pick, first round, maybe this year. He's ridiculous. I mean, I, it sounds like there's a lot of one-and-done chatter. Yeah. And which is normal. I, Pretty much every five-star gets one-done chatter. At the end of that game, too, uh, I walked up, saw, I talked to Ali for Openesh for a minute, and you could just see it on his face, like, freaking Cody Williams, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, once well, that guy I believe going, all his points were in the second half. I think he had zero. All, think, he was nowhere to he, be seen. It was basically like, wait, did the five-star play? And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he played. <laughs> yep. um, okay, Tristan De Silva. Pro Europe. Okay. Uh, Eddie Lampkin Jr. I mean, he'll probably play somewhere if he wants. Slower, yeah. Yeah. Um... Javon Hadley. I know what you're going to do. You're going to make this hard at the yeah, end. Yeah, um, we're going to get difficult. He's another. You know, maybe play somewhere. I'll just do. I'll keep it easy and just go through starters. Uh, KJ Simpson. <sighs> he's certainly a pro. That's no doubt. Is he a draft pick? Second half would say, man, he, <sighs> he's really good. Him and Zay, it, it, it's different, but him and Zay to me are in similar boats. Like they're 100 percent pros minimum. I think they both get NBA shots. Do they get drafted? Ooh. I kind of want with KJ Simpson. I, I I wanted to see. Now again, I'm like I said, I'm I'm there in a Rams shirt and stuff, so I'm not rooting necessarily for the Buffs, but I rooting for like a guy like KJ Simpson and wanting to see how good he is. He's a great player. He man. is an amazing player, but in, you know, I I almost wanted to see him get into some kind of takeover mode if he because he did that for moments, and then if he could really he was nine and thirteen, so he was he scored getting the thirty line. He scored thirty, but it was a weird. Didn't it feel yeah, like a I mean, weird thirty? Because uh, I don't have the chart in front of me, but he certainly scored a lot late in sort of the mad, you know, scramble to try and come back. There was a little three he had. I'll say he gets in the NBA not as a draft. There, there was a three he had, Kevin, at the top of the uh, top of the key, and he had coverage, but he just yeah. kind of faked the guy yeah, out. He's, made it. he's a and, great player, and I was kind of like, man, that's such a beautiful play. I wonder why he didn't do that like five or six more times just yeah. to see. Um, didn't make any threes really in the first half, so yeah. you didn't as a team. Okay, so we got. Got a couple of guys there that you should be seeing uh, playing at least professional basketball. How about Joel Scott? I think he's a pro somewhere. Yeah? Um, you know, either Europe or South America. I think pro player somewhere. Didn't play. It, again, if he wants to be. Didn't play last night, but he would have, he would have been in this role. I'm Patrick Cartier. Again, I think he's a guy that can play somewhere. Uh, Neat Clifford. <sighs> Same. I, I feel like I'm just cheating because I'm just saying pro somewhere. But I think think that's what a lot of these players are. And that's these aren't I hope no one takes this as negative when I say you're not an NBA player but you're a pro. Like that's hard. Basketball is small rosters. Like I and we're we're saying that there might be ten different pros in this game. That's pretty impressive. How many rosters can you go back in the history of and look at CC and say your starting five ended up all being pro basketball. So yeah I hope this isn't perceived as a negative because I don't mean it that way. I but you know Neek's another guy you know Different player, but like Daniel Bejarano's had a great mm. career, mostly in South America. Neat Clifford, like he's a player. He, you know, again, if he wants to continue, I think he, after college, plays somewhere. Um, this was our poll question today yeah. up at the whole show earlier, Kevin Isaiah Stevens, and obviously the theme of the day is people. It's still like, a really hard he's one to get drafted, but it's, a, it's the same conversation. As, you know, nothing like say has changed significantly. Obviously, he has worked on improving his game. But the size and everything is still the same. But I use on the whole show, I use the Nuggets example. For a franchise like them, what they're doing right now is drafting college veterans that have been through a lot. Their ceiling is probably lower, but their floor is higher. 
Uh, they're pretty developed and can come in and do a job. Like I say, they're they're not drafting Pickett to come be a megastar. No. They're drafting him to come be a reliable bench guy. So a franchise like that, in a position like that, I think we'll want Isaiah Stevens. I'm now going to say he's going to sneak into the second round. In, Maybe I'm you know prisoner of the moment, but his intangibles are so off the charts. His on-the-court play, obviously, is very good. Someone is going to say, you know what? That's a good thing to have in our locker room. A 23-year-old or whatever he'll be that does everything right, works his tail off, is basically a coach. That's not a bad thing for our locker room, even if he's number 13. But you're also saying he's probably going to be a Denver Nugget next year, too. I did not say that. You're getting there. You people. You people always want to do that. Uh, he would make sense for the Nuggets. I mean, I would Although, love it, obviously, I just having him that. locally. Yeah, I say all the guys. Uh, Roddy makes sense for the Nuggets. Uh, you know, all, all the studs. The that Broncos I like. should draft every CSU Ram ever. They absolutely should. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Although, uh, to be honest, Trey McBride would not be a bad fit if they had done that but eh, we're sidetracked Tory Horton wouldn't be a bad no, thing for the Broncos either um Josiah Strong uh I thought he played you know really good most the steal at the end of the first night. half was yeah. I mean truly game-changing it really was sucked some life out of the buffs truly game-changing obviously that margin of that little 5-0 run proved huge he's he's a tough one he does things well he is older which you know can work against you there could be a spot for him somewhere if he wants he he. I, the thing about this team is, there's so many high character guys, great yeah. character guys, but they're so fun to watch too. They're they're very good basketball players. Yeah. It's a it's a it's an awesome atmosphere that they've really built there. That basketball program, yeah, it really is special. Um, I talked about this uh, somewhere the other day. I don't even remember. Um, maybe it was probably just Did to myself cheat? at home. Did you cheat on us? I might have been. I was just at home talking to myself. <laughs> Could have been. But it is interesting and cool watching this team and how they celebrate each other's successes. Like Kyle Evans hitting the floater against Creighton late on. Uh, Javante Johnson scoring against Creighton. You know, the, certainly uh, jo- everyone's rooting hard for Josiah Strong after the year he's had or you know the last year plus. So it's kind of fun watching them all you know, enjoy these things. I think last night... I think that team, Neek wasn't going to say much, but I think there's no doubt that team really enjoyed and wanted to help Neek win that game. Oh, they, yeah. You could, you could see it on their faces that it was, it was very intense during the game. And then afterward, CSU being most of the guys that they are, decided to take the high road when talking about Colorado Buffaloes. Yep. Totally. And it is just so funny, all the things, you know, Neek Clifford, you know, dunked all over Pat Cartier in the the matchup last year, and it was all over social media. And now they're teammates, and Pat was out, and Neek kind of helped lift CSU with Pat out. Uh, just so funny how it works. But yeah, I think there's no doubt. Um, you know, I was in the gym writing last night, you know, late after the game, and Neek and his parents were literally the last non media members to walk out. I don't want to speak for what their emotions were, but I feel like. Just from across the gym, it appeared to be a savor-the-moment type of hangout. Yeah, when we come back, I don't know how much you know about this, but it'd be fun to at least talk about it. What was it that didn't work for CU for Tad Boyle that they didn't see a, you know, a real future with Neat Clifford there on that roster? Let's talk about that a bit coming up next. It's Rams Weekly on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFK, presented by Miranda Simpson State Farm Insurance. We'll be right back.
Welcome back into Rams Weekly, presented by Miranda Simpson at State Farm Insurance. She'll get you hooked up with auto insurance, homeowners insurance, renters insurance, and oh yeah, she's a die-hard CSU Rams fan. She's a Colorado State alumni, so a lifetime member of the CSU Alumni Association. Give her a buzz. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a Rams fan of some sort, and uh, you want to do business with like-minded folks. 970-223-7800. Neat Clifford. uh, uh, The story is fun. I I love these kind of interesting stories. Dalen Koontz had a similar story, playing for the UNC Bears. He played for the Buffs and obviously went to a different level with UNC. But um, when you look at Neat Clifford, he's having a really good year. So far, I mean, some would say he's the second best player on this team. Absolutely. Um, so why didn't it work for Tad Boyle at CU? It's interesting. Um, and yeah, Neek, like you said, hasn't really said much. Just appreciation for his time at CU. You know, still friends with players there, all that stuff. Um, I've never heard anything like super naive, you know, that there's any big blow up or anything like that. I think it's it seems on the surface to be one of those. You know, basketball's tough. There's so few spots that sometimes just player and role and style just don't fit. And, again, it's a nebulous phrase, but sometimes guys just need a fresh start. And that certainly seems to have worked well for him. I, I, I certainly would say that this is the best Neek has played in his career. You know, two years ago, I think he had a pretty, pretty darn good year for the Buffs and then kind of backslid in some ways last year. But it just seems a good fit, and... I get how social media is, but some of the fan angst toward him from CU side is kind of weird. It's like, I mean, he he put in his effort, did some good things for buffs, and I think it was kind of one of those sort of a mutual parting of ways of CU obviously had a big you know signing class coming in, wanted to maybe go some different directions with minutes, and he had a chance to go somewhere where you know he'd have a big role. It kind of seems like it worked for everyone. And and yeah, it goes. It's funny. It goes all the way back to high school. I and mean, CSU recruit him hard. Had a pretty good chance at him until kind of CU, you know, sort of sealed that late. But that's why those relationships are important. You know, you don't burn them when you know when whatever. However, CSU found out if Nick called Nico and said, you know, hey, thanks, but I'm going to Boulder or whatever. You know, you don't scream and yell and slam the phone. You say, right. thanks so much. We wish you nothing but the best. I'm sure that's what CSU did. And a couple of years later, Neek's looking for a new new home. And guess which relationship he remembers. Yep. And that, honestly, that was, as we compare, the same situation with, with Adalyn Koontz, who had yeah. a relationship with Steve Smiley before and uh, in their regime, but instead chose CU. Yeah. CU I say sometimes you? just fit. I mean, CSU needed a wing who could do a lot. Be versatile defensively, help rebound, not have to be a create your shot score, but a you know rim run, hit some threes, have your hands up when Isaiah throws one of his wizard passes, and that's what Neek has done, and and vice versa. I think Neek, it's been great for him to kind of have a clearly defined role, a point guard who throws wizard passes right into your hands and gets you open looks uh, when you shouldn't. It's it just works well. And again, it's it's not negative or anything. I, you know. I don't think you know you should sit here and say, "Oh, you know, Tad Boyle sure screwed up." And likewise, I don't think you sit here and say, "Oh, you know, why Neek do this or that?" Sometimes just fit and, and roll and everything work better at different places. And um, you know, it's it's what David Roddy talked about forever. Find your fit. You know, David, Isaiah, now Neek found a fit at Colorado State. 
that doesn't mean anything negative to anyone else. But just different schemes and everything work for different people. Right, you look at um, a guy like Joel Scott. I mean, we were wondering Ooh, what that transition so was going to be like. And I'm telling you, I know, you know, we're talking about Isaiah Stevens at the next level and what he's going to do. Maybe, he's get, maybe he gets drafted. Hey, Clifford has been such a nice addition to this team. But defensively and just... Just always in the right spot. Always, he's just like stable. How? What do you have? I think two different times where his should have been a tie up, and he just ripped it from a dude last night. Yeah, he looks like he's a big dude. He's stout. He's like a tree trunk kind of, but he's not that tall. So you would think like Lampkin would be able to back him down. That was just not going to happen. He's another great example of why. I kind of roll my eyes when I get the tweets the over the last couple years. Footer shooter. We need a center who's seven foot one. It's like no. I mean, yeah, it's it's great if you get Ryan Kalkbrenner who is seven one and runs and jumps and shoots. But there aren't many of those dudes in the world. Joel Scott is playing pretty darn well inside there. Question for you: Who is the person on CSU you would least want to take a charge from? It's got to be either Joel or mm. Bimba. I would say I, Joel just looking at him, you know. Just because of age and development, he's maybe a little stronger and bigger. Neither neither one. I mean, I'd be dead with either. Oh, they would murder us, you know. But I would not want to do those. No, and what's crazy about Joel Sky is he, he looks – he doesn't look angry out there, but he he does he definitely has a presence of, like, don't mess with that guy. He, he, he has to shake his hand after uh, the game, and he's, like, the nicest dude again, in the world. Again, I'm not saying they're the same player, but some of the personality traits of David Roddy, of on the court, a monster, physical, mean, kind of a bully, and then off the court, the nicest person you'll meet. And, and the, it's a cool mix. CSU's had, right, they have tons of those guys. Yes, they but in do. some ways, like, yeah, you watch him on the court, you know, it's like, oh, that guy, that guy's like, he's, he's a tough dude. And then, yeah, you meet him, it's like, oh, this guy's such a friendly dude. Yeah, there's a lot of friendly dudes out there. A guy that I don't know, I mean, I'm sure he's friendly. Uh, he's nice to talk to, but uh, Joe Palmer. Headband Joe. Headband Joe. He's just like this this like celebrity at CSU. I don't, I want to give too much away, but I'm kind of thinking Headband Joe feature in the Colorado next week. Would that be good? Does it come with free headbands and like a coupon? No, the that's of not the article? budget. That's not the budget. Okay, well, it's um, something to think about. But no, he he's such a cool... Everything. Energizer Bunny, every time he comes in, you know, he's going to throw himself around, probably have some wild rebound. He'll probably dive into the ninth row and chuck the ball behind him as he tries to save it. People love that he'll, kind of play. He'll bang a three. One of these games, he's going to have a monster dunk because he has the huge hops. He had a almost put back last year where he rose so high, but he ended up clanging off the back. He's going to have a mega dunk. But, yeah, he's become a cult hero. You see, there's sort of been this, like, social media surge of CSU posts. All of a sudden, people just write, Joe Palmer, Joe yeah. Palmer. There are several Joe Palmer, Palmer signs uh, in the crowd last night. He's one of those fun ones. Like, he's never going to be the best player on this team. But he, one, is very important. It's not just like, a, like hey, this nice fun. nice threes last night. He, I think he really kind of brought them to life when, yeah, yeah, there was maybe some early jitters. But it's just like a cult sensation in some way, in a very nice you know, way. He's just such a fun, likable guy, and players like it too. I mean, in practice, if you go to practices, Joe's doing the same thing, running around being crazy, and guys are like, yeah, like we love that energy, great work. Um, so it's just a great fit. Guy came from Division Three. That's a huge jump. And that that 
that again speaks to this coaching staff of their ability to deep that's, scout. That's part of why I find in the story. Like, how'd you find this dude? He's from Minnesota, yeah, so I'm sure that's how. How does or okay. he is playing in Minnesota? Does so somebody I'm, tip I'm, them off? That's or? my guess. I've I've never asked the story, so that's one of the reasons I want to do this feature. But yeah, Nico must have some mole somewhere in Minnesota that was like, hey, there's a guy because I know he scored huge numbers, and that's what Nico told me when he signed of like, yeah. It's a big jump, but we're also not going to ask him to come in and score 25 a game like he did D3. We're going to ask him to come in and be the microwave off the bench, and that's worked well. But it's so fascinating. I mean, CSU's D2 to D1, you know, Pat Cartier, now Joel Scott, Chandler Jacobs before them. It's been working great. But D3, like, that is big. Oh, and and that is such a testament to this coaching staff's ability to go find it, to figure out ways to have those pipelines. And define these guys because you're right. Joe Palmer is is not just a high energy, not just a high energy guy. Like you said, with some of those threes, that kind of shows. Yeah, it's hey, it's we very important what he does. He rebounds well, considering he's not like a huge guy. Yeah, he no. does a lot well. There's just a lot of unique players on this team. When we come back, I'll have you give us an update on the injury side of things. Patrick Cartier didn't play in that game. Jalen Lake did play in that game, but. Won't be playing in any future games, at least for the next few weeks. We'll get to some specifics on kind of that heroic performance last night. As the Rams took care of business against the Colorado Buffaloes, 88-83. to More of that discussion coming up next here on Rams Weekly. Presented by Miranda Simpson with State Farm Insurance, 970-223-7800. Rams Weekly rolls on here. Uh, thanks in part to uh, Miranda Simpson with State Farm Insurance, 970-223-7800. Talking a little bit about a big win over the Colorado Buffaloes. If you're listening to this on Thursday, podcast Saturday, the Rams get set to take on Washington um, Saturday night in Las Vegas. Yep, one of these neutral sites that I don't love from a college basketball fan standpoint. They tend to be pretty sterile, um, although this one might be a little different. You know, Washington football is playing Pac-12. You, you might have a lot of the carryover Rest in peace yeah. uh, title game the night before, so you might have pretty good Husky crowd there. But from a metric standpoint, they serve both teams well, which is why they do these. Uh, really good matchup. Washington is... It's a long, talented team. They've already played multiple Mountain West teams. They had, I believe, Nevada beat Washington, and then uh, Washington took San Diego State to overtime before San Diego State won. So they've been very competitive with basically, you know, I think what people consider top teams in the Mountain West. So should be a really good game, and I think as we're about to talk about, CSU is going to be limited. Yeah, so Patrick Cartier first. Um, obviously missed the game against CU Gets, gets hurt way early in that Creighton game. What are you hearing on his side of things and his availability? Yeah, so Pat, um, you know, back, back spasms basically against Creighton. You know, left a minute, half in, couldn't return. He couldn't walk. I mean, it was it was tough to watch. He did everything he could to try and play against CU. Obviously, couldn't. I think he probably hopes he'll play against Washington. Player hope and, and coach and doctor wishes uh, sometimes are different. So I would say he's probably on the questionable side. I know you don't always think this way, but they might think this way. 
it might serve CSU better long-term to give him time to make sure he's fully ready. Because as much as you would love him against Washington, you need to make sure Pat is good through March. So if he doesn't play, you have Denver midweek. No disrespect, but you have to be able to handle that, Pat Cardi or not. So maybe give him both those games and then bring him back for St. Mary's, you know, the the following Saturday. That is kind of my gut instinct, but don't rule him out for Washington. And then, yeah, Jalen Lake played. What a story, man. It's so interesting. So he, I got this text midday uh, breaking, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is a surprise, not a good one, of Jalen Lake broke his finger in practice leading up to the CU game, has surgery scheduled for Thursday. Well, what are you doing Wednesday night, Jalen? Want to just play basketball? And and he easily, I think most guys was, you know, oh, crap, broken finger. I'm going to get surgery and and go do that. He wanted to play before the surgery, uh, so they just taped it up. He gutted out and not just played, but played really well. 16, 16 points. points. Hit three threes, a couple big steals. Uh, played really well. Nico Medved said it, you know, it really inspired the team of like, man, this guy, like he's doing this for us. Like that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, really cool moment in a way, but bad, sad moment in a way. And, and yeah, so Jalen Lake is having surgery and out until probably about mid January. Basically from what I understand, you have to get that surgery and set that finger else it will heal in a bad way that could really impact him. Screw your career. Not just, yeah, you know, this season, but long term. You know, it's a 21 year old kid. You got to take care of him in the future. So it's not one of those, well, why don't you just play through it? Uh, you have to get that fixed right away. So I guess the good news is you have a little bit of break at Christmas where you'll steal some time. He'll probably miss, depending on when exactly on the timeline, somewhere between one to four Mountain West games maybe. Uh, but most important, you know, have him back late January and fully healthy in February and March. But but a really tough break. What a what a cool performance, though, to do that. Like you said, a lot of guys would just go, hey, I'm having surgery tomorrow anyway. Yep. Just kind of want to rest it and not go. No, he's going to go. Um, some tremendous, like we said, high-character guys on this team, and that was just another great example of that. So, Kevin, the question is, as we kind of round out our basketball discussion, we'll finish up in the, the next segment and just kind of briefly discuss football and a rough loss over the weekend to Hawaii. But on the basketball side of things, I think, like you said, what we saw last night or Wednesday night was two teams that should be dancing. But how good are they going to be? How good are the Rams going to be? Are we are we having conversations about like at least dreaming? Because it's hard to predict Sweet 16 Elite Eight. You can't because it's all about matchups yep. and stuff like that. But is that is that a realistic dream? It's not impossible. It's not impossible, I think. I mean, Creighton is very legit. Like, uh, I don't want anyone to dismiss that. Of like, oh, maybe Creighton was over. That team's very good. I feel yeah, very yeah. certain that that's a very good team. And CSU didn't just win. They whipped them. CU is a good team. I think that's a tournament team. CSU beat them. I think this team, if healthy, has high capability. NCAA tournament. Definitely capable. Need to keep building that resume. It's far from certain, but capable there. Mountain West uh, contenders, maybe even leaders in the clubhouse right now, I don't think is unrealistic. But, yeah, I think there's a team that you know could be in the NCAA tournament and, and win in the NCAA tournament. They, God, they, I mean, the versatility on both offense and defense that they have when healthy 
is really impressive. And, of course, I keep throwing out this win healthy because, of course, they're already battling a lot. Well, but. it's funny you say that, too, because last night when, uh, you know, talking a little bit to Ali for Oakmanesh, he said, uh, you know, people giving us crap because we're going so deep off the bench. We've been doing that early. We want to just get guys as many minutes as possible. But when a guy goes down, we have guys that are ready to take in the moment, and it's not their first time getting out on the floor. Yeah, exactly. It's it's good now. I mean, yeah, again, if healthy, you're going to have a time, you know, come March where – some guys that played, all of a sudden, their mints get squeezed out because you, you clamp that rotation down. And we saw, I think, Isaiah last night played all 20 in the second half. That's what they're going to do in big games. It's not a knock on Kyan Evans or anything. It's Isaiah Stevens, the best player on the floor, so you're not going to take the best player on the floor out. But you need that depth. It's a long season. Like I know everyone's excited right now, and rightfully so. But one, the resume is just starting to be built. There are so many big games that CSU needs to win, and it's just long. It's yeah. a slog. It is tough. So the more you can dip into that well with, with your depth, the better. I mean, if you can have Javante Johnson comfortable and confident in a role, you know, maybe even dip all the way down you know, to Jack Payne and have him useful. Kyle Evans, obviously, you need right now with you know as long as Cartier is out. You pretty much every scholarship guy is needed right now. Yeah, no question. You need you need that's that's the thing of the season. These long seasons, you need everybody at some point to contribute. And we've seen the teams that have to play basically seven or eight all season long. It tends to be really hard come March. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen CSU's been pretty concerned. Even the Creighton game, like let's get Isaiah off the court when we feel comfortable for a few minutes. Again, you couldn't really do it last night, but they're going to be smart. You know, they don't want him averaging thirty-eight a game right now. You do that in the important ones, yeah. You know, San Diego State, Isaiah's probably going to play thirty-nine minutes. Yeah, but Air Force or something, get him the heck off the court when you can. Save save those legs. Well, it's very similar to when you see the the NBA playoffs or whatever. Is suddenly the rotation is goes yep, it from, shrinks quick from ten to nine, nine to like seven or eight, yep. you know, depending on what that might look like. So you see lose with your win, winner or lose with your best. Yeah, no question about it. Um, of course, this brings up the the fun conversation that I know you love to have. Seven and zero. <laughs> we're talking about big things for CSU. The 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 talk will continue now about Nico Medved. And Do you know is there a school like back where he's from that's having any struggles this year? Maybe they can just get really good so Ooh. that he'll just like not go there. Can we help him out? Can we give him, can you give him some Kevin Lytle pointers? Minnesota would be struggling. Do you think that he? And again, Minnesota makes sense. I get it, but he is really. Like he gets to be the king of the castle here. They're going to give him all the time in the world to build, to rebuild, to do whatever. Um, he can really be that Sonny Lubick guy. And I know we've we've said that a lot, you know. But you just wonder if there are guys like that that are wired for success. They want to compete, but they also realize I can compete here, even though it's not the biggest, but it's still pretty pretty big time. The thing I always bring up is basketball. That's feasible, you know. Football. It's it's not. It's becoming a little bit more with the expand playoff, but basketball it is. So I think there's a narrow window of jobs that Medved would leave for. Obviously, that that one we're talking about could be one, but he, him and his family definitely love it here and what they can do here. Yeah. Well, that's I guess that's something to worry about later on, and it's a kind of a good problem to have, depending. All right, final segment coming up. Let's uh, let's kind of put some finishing touches on the football season. That was the Rams ended up just one game shy of bowl eligibility. It's Rams Weekly on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFKA.
Welcome back into Rams Weekly. Well, we're having a blast, Kevin, talking about a 7-0 Colorado State Rams team. A ranked team might move up a spot. Well, we'll perhaps? see what happens against Washington. Yeah, they I think could. I think if CSU beats Washington as well, they'll definitely go up. My goodness, this is fun. This is fun. So, hey, listen, we're having a blast talking about this basketball team. The football season had its highs and lows, probably more lows, obviously. And then, you know, they... Every goal just kept evaporating from Colorado State. You know, win the conference or get into the Mountain West Championship game. Beat your rivalries. Um, They did beat Boise State. I don't know if that was up there in the top 10 goals list or whatever. Get into a bowl game. They had it in front of them. A trip to Hawaii is easier said than done. Even when Hawaii's at a bad point, a really bad point, they're still tough to win there. And they couldn't get it done. Yeah, really rough finish. Uh that game honestly just encapsulated the season. It was pretty much a perfect, you know, fitting for that season. Some some really good, you know, that first drive, CSU just cooked right through them. We're doing the same thing in the second drive, and then the inconsistency inconsistency hit. You had a bad interception. The defense kind of got gashed all game long. Then backs against the wall. Looks like game over. The good comes back, and you know, weirdly, CSU tended to play really well when they were up against it incredible comeback tie the game in the final minute and then for the third time this season a final minute drive allowed that you know swung the game so it it really did sum up the season so very big broad picture i'd say there was a lot of growth and improvement and some good things but still a failure of a season to not make a bowl or to to win a rivalry game all right, so now I think it's fair to say, Kevin, I mean, the, the pressure is going to be on Jay Norvell next season, right? Yeah, I mean, this is why I wrote after game, you know, year three is super important. He He's not risk of firing so after year they, three. I think Joe Parker's fired two coaches. If he fires a third, that's a gone. pretty pretty bad blight of, of, you know, his resume, too. So he's going to be patient. And frankly, I think CSU needs patience in football. You can't keep whiplashing. Now, the whiplash from the Adazio era was their own fault because they hired Steve Adazio. But you can't just keep every two or three years doing that. Um, and also, you can't afford it. But it, I still feel it's going in the right direction. But yeah, from a fan standpoint, you know, if this team wins four or five games next year, it's going to be hot. People will not be happy because you, you know, in year three, you can't be playing the oh, you know, we're young, we have new guys, all that jazz card. Like it's it's your team by then. No, I also don't think they're going to be there. I, you know, I know we're way too early. This is a bowl team next year. I think it that has to be the minimum. To me, minimum next year, you have to win at least a rivalry, and you have to make a bowl game. Though that's your baseline bar. Anything below that is a a failure. All right. So what do they do in the off season, Kevin? It's funny. I I talked to our mutual friend Mike Brohard about this and. My, I joked with Mike. I was like, you, you've got the coach speak down, man. He's like, they got to learn how to win. Well, the problem with learning how to win in the offseason is you're not playing anybody, so you're not really learning how to win. But I get where he's going with that. What do they need as far as the pieces to make sure that they win? Or the pieces that they have get better in some way? Yeah, it's it's a lot of both. Uh, you know, Brain Fowler, Nick Losey, I think, is one of the, the highlights of that. Obviously, some fantastic moments. He, I believe, is 11th in the nation in passing yards. Like, that's... Nothing to scoff at, but leads FBS in, in interceptions, I believe, which, you know, you just can't have that. That, you know, that has in part harmed the defense and their numbers. Uh, so you have to be better there. 
So, yeah, across the board, improvement. And, yeah, it is kind of a nebulous thing of learn how to win. But it's also true of uh, the consistency of performance. And a lot of that, Jay Norvell keeps talking about, is Monday to Friday. You know, preparation for games and realizing the small margins that lead to those wins. But, you know, you need to add some some depth and talent. You know, certainly defensively, cornerback you look at. You know, Chiggy Anusium we know is gone. His eligibility is up. Freshman TJ Crandall, who had some really bright moments, has said he's entering the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned if he's not Power 5 bound. Uh, so you need DBs. Uh, linebacker, you have some young guys starting to take over. Obviously, Chase Wilson will be back. Mo Kamara's gone. You have some really exciting young defense wins, but Mo is Mo, so that's not an easy replace. But across the board, just need to be... I need a different way to talk about consistency, but that's all we talk about all year, and that's the number one thing. This team has a lot of good pieces, but they need to do it more often. And a lot of these questions I ask you, Kevin, and sometimes it's my own brain coming up with them. Sometimes it's seeing the Twitterverse and all that. And this one's kind of a mixed bag. I've thought about it, but a lot of the other talk is, does Jay Norvell need a like a flat-out offensive coordinator? And I feel like we did that with the Adazio special teams thing. Way different. Does he need – and again, on that same note, what's, what's Matt Mummy's role then ultimately? He's the quarterback's guy, I guess. But does he need a, a true offensive coordinator so he yeah. can be the overseer? I'll say broadly, no matter who it is, I'm not a fan generally of head coaches calling plays, whether it's offense or defense. Is it because you, they're just too close there's, to there's, it? Or? Well, partially, but there's just so much that has to go into each game and all the decisions that have to be made. It's just a lot to juggle. Like that's – very broadly, my take. It's a lot to juggle. It's hard to do. Now, a lot of the angst, I think some of it's overboard. I mean, CSU's offense wasn't perfect, but they made a huge jump. They doubled their scoring, went from like 285 yards a game of offense year one to uh, just over 400 this year. The numbers way up across the board. Of course, there are things you need to improve. Uh, you know, some of the inconsistency. I always... The, the anger about play calling. Some of it I agree, you know, against Hawaii at one point they called seven straight first down runs. It you know, it was fairly predictable and at that time they were in a pretty big lull. So there's part of me that's like, well, you know, why find a way to get to Dallin Holker or something? But on the other hand, that second drive ends in interception, so you have some people oh bad play calling. Tory Horton was wide open in the end zone. The quarterback held the ball, pump faked, and then threw it too late. That's not bad play call. That that's bad execution. So some of it is, you know, just comes down to player execution too. He's not. I would be stunned if Jay Norvell's not calling plays. He's been a head coach for seven years and he's called plays in them. So I, I can't imagine he's going to change. I haven't heard any indication. That's more a fan anger creation than any talk I've heard. Never say never. You know, they evaluate everything off every off season. I'd be surprised if it changes. What is Matt Momi's role? So he, basically he's the quarterback's coach. I know there's a lot of confusion, I guess, maybe just because he is the head coach calling plays. Um, I forget exactly what his title is, like associate head coach slash quarterbacks or something like that. Um, but one, don't tweet me angrily about Matt Mummy's play calling because he's not calling the plays. Uh, two, yeah, of course, you know, the whole staff works together on the game plan and whatnot, but Mummy's not calling plays. Broadly, I would say he's the quarterback's coach is is the best way to put it, which is a position every staff has, so it's not really unusual. It's just this situation. I think, like I think his name, too. Of it, yeah, right? I think his name, too. Like, people know that's, you know, the air raid tree. 
so are kind of wondering like what he does. But he's is a he like an coach. air raid advisor of any kind? That's like... well, it's fine because you know this isn't this isn't exactly like how mummies air raid. They, right, it's, it's a blend of some different concepts. But yeah, obviously he has part of that. And again, they. You know, him, Norvell, certainly the rest of the offensive staff, too, combine on game planning. Uh, but, yeah, Matt Mummy, like I say, in a lot of ways, quarterbacks coach, developed the quarterbacks, which is going to be an interesting position with uh, young BFN and young Jackson Brousseau, maybe young Darius Curry coming in. Who knows? Maybe an old guy, too. And maybe Clay Millen going out, right? Yeah, portal opens Monday, and I've been speaking on Clay just broadly just kind of keep an eye you know i'll have a tracker on all that but there will be a lot of change just because it's college football and and the amount of power five starting quarterbacks you've already seen say they're leaving it's the trickle down is gonna be a wild you're gonna need a million dollars it sounds like according to matt rule right the going rate to get a good yeah that was old hey who wants to give me a couple million dollars oh my goodness Kevin, great job as always, my friend. Are you going to you going to Vegas? Unfortunately, can't make this trip. It is crazy. Take expensive. a little break from travel. You've been traveling yeah. all over the world. All right, that'll do it. It's been Rams Weekly on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 at 1310 KFKX.